Welcome to Foundation and Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Foundation on Apple TV+. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're about a week out now from the premiere of Apple's epic science fiction uh, television series, Foundation. So we thought we'd come together, start up a podcast, and uh, talk about several things. Talk about what we know so far um, in regards to casting in regards to maybe some of the story that we think we're going to see based on some of the trailers that we've seen, um, any other information that's been released, and also just talk about our impressions of Foundation as a work and how we expect the adaptation might look, um, which I think is a tough question to answer, but we're going to do our best on that. Uh, and, you know, we'll find out in a week what where this is going to pick up and you know, is it going to do prequels uh, to start or is it going to start right with Foundation, the original timeline? Who knows? Uh, but we'll talk about all that stuff. Aaron, do you have an, an agenda for us? A bit of one. I think we should spend the first couple of minutes talking about why people might be excited or should be excited for Foundation. Maybe why we're yeah. excited uh, and try to keep it spoiler free so that uh, then we can talk about because I also have concerns, questions about the project and those... Those are a lot tougher to answer without spoilers. So we'll we'll uh, you can uh, if you don't want to know anything about Foundation, um, then we'll let you know when we're about to talk about the the plot details because yeah. we both at this point read at least the first book. Yeah, um, I read I read it a long time ago. Recently, read it recently, a couple, yeah. couple months ago. Yeah. So, uh, but I know there's like, quite a bit of departures from the books, or they might be interleaving material from books that I have not read. So let's uh, what. Why are you excited about this foundation series on Apple TV? Uh, well, first of all, I've seen a couple of the trailers and it looks pretty amazing. Um, the The visuals on this feel like super epic. Every Everything I've seen of it is, okay, this is going to be like, yeah, I, I don't know, is hard sci-fi what you call this? this? This, so foundation is not like, based on mostly laser guns and like, you know, gravitational effects and shit like that. It's mostly a political thriller is what it is. Yeah. Um, and, and a kind of like overarching structure of society fable sort of thing. Um, and I think that to me is like super interesting. I've not seen a lot of political thrillers essentially done in the sci-fi setting, uh, on television. Mm-hmm. So, I'm super excited about that, but man, the stuff that is in there that is like laser guns and, you know, uh, nuclear engines and all that stuff, it looks really, really good. They've put some money into this thing. And I think that because a lot of times when we're seeing, we think of hard science fiction as like things like The Expanse, where it's definitely in the future, but like if you squint, it's like it feels realistic, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's. It's hard science fiction because of the lack of laser guns and, you know, warp <laughs> yeah. drives and shit like this. Like the movie Moon well, is pretty hard sci-fi. That's one I think of when I think of that. Yeah, even for all mankind is hard. Sci- but like this is a different kind of hard sci-fi and that like you, you know, Asimov is famous for, you know, uh, uh, saying uh, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic i think we're going to see that threshold where it's like you're going to see singularity drives that are powered by black holes and shit and sure there are not going to be technical manuals the because they're not going to try to explain how it's doing this without violating blah 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 because this is doing something different 
Um, Game of Thrones is famously in large part based on the narrative of the War of the Roses. Um, and similarly, uh, I, or, uh, sorry, Isaac Asimov told this story back in the 50s based on his inspiration from reading the well-known kind of historiography, uh, the, 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 what is it, the, decline, the rise, decline, and fall of the Roman Empire. Yeah. And he kind of wanted to do some historical speculative fiction and use that as kind of like the loose backdrop and tell us a, a tale about uh, civilization collapsing on a galactic scale mm-hmm. uh, and, and what might uh, could be could be done about that. So it's like this is going to be a lot more closer to fantasy than I think a lot of people are used to thinking in hard on hard science fiction. But like with this and Dune coming up, you'll see that, you know, some of that more fantastic stuff is still very uh, hard science fiction because it's it's doing interesting things about looking into the human condition and how we relate to each other and how we relate to our histories and things like that. Yeah. And as you might expect with uh, something based on the rise and fall of an entire empire, it spans. I think we'll, we'll maybe talk about this later, but it spans uh, more than one person's lifetime. And so the the interesting, the most interesting challenge I think they have. And one of the other things that really intrigues me about the series is telling a story that takes place over a very long time period, longer than any one human's life. Uh, it's not something I've seen done. Maybe I don't know that I've ever seen anything do it. Um, on this kind of yeah. scale, uh, especially on television. Yeah. And then imagine if you try to tell the the rise, fall and or decline of the Roman yeah. Empire and everyone's favorite characters was, you know, like, oh, the I really love uh, what they're doing. This Julius Caesar and Mark Antony guy. Well, flash forward 60 years. Guess what? Right. Those main characters are in the ground, you know, one way or the other. So, like, how do you keep people's uh you know narrative interest peaked in these characters and, and i assume um, it has been done in those contexts before on television i just haven't seen them um so yeah. uh, you know i'm less interested in the the rise and fall of rome than i am the rise and fall of the galactic empire for some 100%. reason but yeah but that's another reason to get excited the fact that these are foundational no pun intended to like science fiction for example these novels were the first to postulate something like a galactic spanning civilization, mm-hmm. a galactic empire. You know, you wouldn't have like Dune comes out a decade later um, following suit with a, a, a galactic Imperium. A Star Wars comes out 10 years after that. Like this is extremely, extremely influential um, from just, uh, you know, opening people's minds. I, I remember reading this series uh, in junior high, and then I later reread it in high school, and you know I just never read anything like this because, like, up to that point, I was reading Star Wars novelizations, I was reading comic books, um, you know, and even like the I was reading some hard hard sci fi, but it's more short stories and novellas and and things like Ring World. But this yeah. felt like you know something different. Like when you read uh, Foundation, the Foundation series, if you read the Dune series, it's like it feels a little bit closer to like, oh, this feels like stuff that we're struggling with now or I can, you know, yeah. it's 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 not just like pulpy, you know, it's not Flash Gordon stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm excited to see this adapted to the the smallest screen. Yeah, same here. Uh, I know another reason, like the one thing uh, that I thought would hook you when when I heard this thing being adapted uh, is they they got Jared Harris. Sure. Old Jerry Harry. <laughs> Uh, leading up front. We have had a love affair with this guy since he showed up on Mad Men, I believe. Yeah, Lane, Lane Price. Price. Mm-hmm. The one, the only. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's like when I saw him in it, I was like, fuck, yes, I'm going to definitely watch this day one. I was excited about this before I got excited about For All Mankind. Like, I'm like, oh, this is the yeah. thing that's finally going to get me to get an Apple TV subscription. It turns out For All Mankind and, and <laughs> Ted Lasso broke me. But mm-hmm. yeah, this thing, I, I, I saw his face attached to it. He's done so much great work. I love him in The Expanse. Yep. Uh, I wish we got more of him in The Expanse. Uh, the Terror season one, we mm-hmm. both loved, and he's a you know at least half of the reason why. I'm very excited about his casting in this movie. Chernobyl, I'm uh, sorry, is the, another one. Sh- series. Oh my god, yes, you're yeah. right, Chernobyl. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. The most I, I haven't seen him in anything that's you can just write off as not worth watching. Yeah, he brings like so he's been cast as uh, well. It's hard to say the main character, one of the main characters of this series, um, and he as an actor brings a lot of gravitas to the roles that he that he inhabits. And I think that's needed for the guy that he's playing. And we'll talk more about that later uh, when we get to the spoiler stuff. But yeah, he's he's kind of a perfect fit. Another guy who brings a lot of gravitas to his performances. uh, Lee Pace. I think he's going to be playing uh, another important role in this. And I saw I, I first noticed Lee Pace in Halt and Catch Fire, which was I don't know, probably like eight years ago now. It's been a while. Um, but I really liked him and everybody knows him from like the uh, Marvel stuff, right? Uh, he yeah, plays yeah. The, the fucking... Ronan the Accuser. Yeah, whatever his name is. I don't know. Uh, but he's great. He brings a lot to his roles. I'm curious to see based on the trailers what how much he's in this because I know what I've read of the first book and he's not in it a ton. And I'm hoping that they wouldn't go out and hire a guy like Lee Pace only for him to be in it for like 20 minutes of the first episode. Well, this, yeah, when we get to the, the spoiler section, I got some some interesting things I saw about his character and, and what they might be doing with it. Um, but I first saw Lee Pace in this movie or the series Pushing Dave, Daisies. Oh, um, one of the first things I ever saw Brian Fuller showrun and the thing about mm-hmm. lee pace is he's got huge range like he can be yeah. intense he can be kind of soft and cuddly he can play big literally he's like six foot six yeah he's big uh he he can play he can play small uh you know and then and, and be vulnerable um and he also can be like a commanding authoritative figure so he has got all the tools and the tool set that i'm and he's he's a he's a magnetic riveting performer that you know picks a lot of interesting roles and i'm looking forward to seeing what he does as uh the emperor of the galaxy is is lee pace just american tom hiddleston <laughs> am i wrong about that <laughs> yeah maybe on, with with lifts yeah yeah he is they, okay. they they do have a lot of similar similar energy yeah yeah there's a lot of other people in this film, but there's a lot of people that are like, you know, little known characters, yeah. um, you know, like uh, Alfred Enoch is cast. And the only thing I've ever seen him in is a very minor character in Harry Potter. He's like one of the kids is kind of in the background. Hmm. Um, and there's a lot of like newcomers and first timers and uh, people that haven't got like these. These are almost every one of these faces is kind of unknown to me, which I always think is exciting. You know, like uh-huh. the only thing more exciting than a, just a completely loaded cast where it's like something like knives out, like how the fuck did they ink the checks for all these people is when you see a cast on something interesting and you don't fucking know anybody. Cause like, sure. that's how I felt about, you know, Game of Thrones, like Game of Thrones. I knew Sean Bean. Mm-hmm. 
and that's about it. And I'd seen like, you know, uh, that the square little fuck little finger was a squirrely little fuck in the wire. But like most <laughs> right. people are like literal who children. So I'm excited to see, uh, you know, a, a new cast get to stretch stuff. Hopefully yeah. they'll make stars out of some of them. Especially Leah Harvey, who's playing like a gender swapped version of Salver Harden. Um, I, I, I don't know anything about her. She's done some work. Uh, none that mm-hmm. I've ever seen, though. And that's a pretty major role. I'm, I'm curious to see. She, she seems young, which I didn't necessarily picture Harden as. But I guess in this story, you would think Harden would be pretty young and then span, you know, quite a few years. And we'd, we'd see her grow and change. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what she can do, uh, not knowing her body of work as like a pretty major character in the first book. Yeah. Uh, any other thing we want to talk about as far as things that uh, reasons people might want to get excited for foundation before we get into the spoilers, the, the, you know, talking about the, the in-depth in the show and they're getting the preview. I don't think so. I think we covered it pretty well. Okay. Well, yeah, uh, just, I guess the last thing I want to say before we dismiss the people who are really spoiler phobes is our plans for coverage is this is going to do kind of like a blended a hybrid binge approach. So Apple is going to release the first three episodes. Presumably they're going to be close to an hour in length each uh, on Friday, no, uh, September 24th. We're going to spend that weekend watching them, getting our notes together, getting ready for the podcast and record on Monday. Uh, and we're going to, we're going to uh, deal with all three of the episodes as kind of a unit, you know, cause I imagine that's how a lot of people are going to watch them. And then we're mm-hmm. going to do weekly coverage after that. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if we're going to get screeners. I've, we, we, we've uh, applied for them. Um, I'm not sure if we'll get them or not. If we do, then we might have some date and time coverage. But I think uh, going forward, that'll be the release schedule. You know, the episodes will come out on Friday and uh, we will have a full episode coverage out on Wednesday or I'm not not Wednesday on the following Monday. Yeah, uh, we'll also be featuring feedback on these episodes. Uh, so if you want to get in feedback, it's going to be foundation at baldmove.com and the podcast is uh, going to be foundation if you're listening to this on pulp and you want to like uh, follow it over on its own feed uh, it'll be on foundation and podcast is what you want to search for on your favorite podcast app okay so that is the information on uh, the spoiler free stuff we're going to probably delve into a little bit of spoilers and stuff uh, from this point forward uh, where do you want to start? Uh, Should a couple we start other with trailers where we can maybe not give a ton of spoilers? Sure. Start with you some light like, spoilers. Give ease into it. Yeah. But, uh, what do you want to talk about as far as there's been a, a lot of trailers? Yeah. Um, a couple teasers and a full official trailer that I saw on Apple's website. Yeah. And the official trailer was the first one that I thought started to give away like kind of the base material of what this thing was about because the first actual narrative like five minutes worth of preview trailers we saw were just lights and wonder and space Mm -hmm. whizzing shit and jared harris looking very uh you know regal and 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 authoritative and lee pace looking very you know uh (laughs) wrathful and uh uh and powerful What, what what do you want to talk about in particular uh do you want to talk about the visuals because i i think the visuals look great there's like this mix of sort of art deco um you get a lot of like shots of oscar looking statues that are about you know a thousand feet tall or something on these planets and a lot of ships exploding and and uh fucking quasars and nebulas and all that kind of stuff and it looks really good 
if it, honestly it feels a lot like early prequel work on star wars you know like it feels very naboo and yeah, that, yeah, like Coruscant. everything and it's got the art deco very in coruscant where everything's mm-hmm. shiny it's not like but and and people might be like oh god this sounds terrible but that was only not a good look for star wars because we were used to the star wars it was grimy and lived in and ragtag and rebellion mm-hmm. and all this shiny chrome shit on the good guys wasn't a good look. Um, but I still think that's kind of cool. Some of the impossible uh, architecture and landscapes and looks like we got some big space battles, planetary battles. Um, just then, some like uh, we, we talked about this in 2001 uh, when we did that podcast. The fact that like there's just some grandeur visuals yeah. just like, you know, hey, this is spa- this is an intergalactic civilization. Drink it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I like that stuff, obviously. And there's there's a mix in this world of all the things you think about in our modern day society of religion and science and commerce and all of those things that come together to form the sort of aesthetic of this universe. And that's one of the things that, you know, lesser sci-fi. I'm glad I'm seeing these influences in these trailers. And I know what is lying ahead in the books, because that's one of the things that a lot of lesser sci-fi can ignore is like how these elements of a world interact with each other. They, they focus mostly on the science, right? Or the one thing that they want to do. I think expanse gets this pretty right. Uh, in most mm-hmm. cases where they let, you know, the outcroppings of like their society, um, sort of influence everything about that world that they're living in. And it seems like they're doing the same here. So I'm, I'm very excited for that part of it. Uh, let's give the people um, a premise, like like like, like kind of what this main story is going to be about. Um, like I said, I've read these books. I read the three main core set of the trilogy in the late 80s slash early 90s, and I haven't read them since. And I know you've read them more recently, mm-hmm. but it basically there is the character of Harry Seldon. Uh, who's going to be played by Jared Harris, and he has developed or perfected a branch of science and mathematics called psychohistory. And what it does is allows you to predict not individually, but in mass, like across uh, the scale of nations, planets, galaxies, what human behavior will happen if it has certain inputs, you know, mm-hmm. um, an equation and- for human behavior, sort of. Exactly. And he uh, arrives to the conclusion that this empire who has stitched together the whole galaxy for thousands of years and maintained peace and stability, prosperity is going to fall and it's going to fall um, very quickly and it's going to lead to 30,000 years of darkness across the galaxy where humans are just left to fight on their own and all trade breaks down wars. You know, it's essentially the dark ages only across the entire Milky Way galaxy. Yeah. The only hope is if we devote the last days of the Imperium to his plan, which is to establish a foundation of the world of not the world, the galaxy's best scientists and and doctors and historians to get a sum total of human knowledge collected. Uh, We can make that short time that 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 uh, that 30,000 years of darkness last only a thousand years and have humanity reborn on the other side of it. Yeah, which I um, love that element because that really gives you an indication of the time scales that we're talking about here, right? Oh, we can shorten right. it from 30,000 to just 1,000. Right. Yeah, just 10, you know, just a, just a few tens, dozens of generations of humans <laughs> toiling under obscurity and futility. Right. Um, but as you can imagine, 
that is a, a hell of a thing to tell the, to a, a galactic civilization. Yeah, you're doomed. What and does, there's nothing you can do to avert it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all you can do is act in an unselfish way to to help your future progeny. Um, so that's kind of an interesting element. There's also like, you know, do people believe it? Mm-hmm. Is Harry Seldon actually right? Like, what if he's missing yeah. a detail? What if he forgot to, you know, uh, carry a number column? Uh, what happens when he's dead and gone and his plan is kind of going uh, on autopilots and he's no longer there to like shepherd and guide his, uh, you know, his, I don't know, his foundation. Um, yeah, that risk so assessment. That's, that's the story. Like, that's one of the things I love about it, too, is like, how do you, how do you test a theory like this, right? You're right. you're a, a mere mortal. There's no ethical way. <laughs> There's no possible way. You're a mere mortal. Yeah. You have like what eighty years if you're lucky to to figure out if your psycho history, your macro predictions about the human race hold true in under certain circumstances. You can't like he just he developed this thing. He can't test it. He's just got to go yeah. sort of uh you know on on faith here that the formula he's come up with actually works. I guess there's not a lot to lose here if you think that it's mm-hmm. uh, the downfall of the empire is imminent anyway. But yeah, mm-hmm. like how how can you test this? How can you be sure that you're right? And so th- they they play with that element throughout the series where it's or well throughout the first book at least where it's like nobody really knows, maybe including uh, Selden himself, whether he's actually right about this. I'm wondering if those are some areas where they can flesh it out because I know a lot of the uh, one of the yeah. main criticisms of Foundation of the series is it's extremely dry. Oh, yeah. And just like straight like the prose is not necessarily inspired. The characters are fairly thin because, again, you're going mm-hmm. through them so fast. The first book takes, I think, 250 years of history. Uh, I think it's um, like 80. I, I don't think it's that much. Oh, is it? Okay. I thought I thought it was closer to 200. Um, but, you know, you've you've still got several generations of characters and the book is not the longest book in the world. I think I read yeah. that it takes about four hours to read if you sat down and did it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that doesn't lend itself to deep characterizations. And I wonder, like in the same way that like this came up a lot in uh, uh, devs, right? Like, you know, how did the, those people know that their history history engine was going to correctly predict the, the future and and uh how is it going to, you know, have this deterministic thing? And they had the kind of like, well, you know, maybe you can you've got some well-known historical events that you can set up in a simulator and you see if they follow exactly. But what does that even mean? Like when you're talking right. about exact like if the JFK assassination goes down, like every fucking molecule in Daily Plaza or Daily Plaza went, went yeah. the exact way it had to. Like, how, how do you know it's good enough, especially when you're talking about the all the variables um, that you have to account for. I wonder if they'll do some of that because I would love to see more of like just a psycho history explored. Yeah, for sure. Tell us how it works, why it works, that sort of thing. Um, And I don't know. I've only read the first. Well, yes, the first foundation novel, the the first that was Mm -hmm. released called foundation. Mm -hmm. I've not read any of the prelude stuff. um, Right. You know, the prequels. So maybe they get more into the development of psycho history in that uh, Mm -hmm. prequel series. But I'm not sure. And I, I don't know where the show is going to pick up. Is it going to pick up right at the first book? Because I know that there are um, a few characters that are in the first book in the series. Uh, for one, Gal Dornick is in there. And Gal is like the person who we're sort of introduced to psychohistory through. So why yeah. have why have Gal She's in like there? 
Yeah, one it, of Harry's uh, brightest students or whatever. Yeah, and she doesn't know about psychohistory, but she's being brought into the fold um, sort, of, sort of in an elevator ride up to see the emperor to tell him that he's going to fall. Uh-huh. It's it's kind uh-huh. of a funny scene in that regard. But, it, you know, why have her in there if you are going to do a lot of prequel stuff that introduces that stuff to the audience beforehand? Wouldn't make a lot of sure. sense. So my guess is they're going to pick up pretty close to the beginning of the first Foundation novel. Yeah, I, I just don't know because like I, I, I've read Foundation, Foundation, Empire, Second Foundation. That's the core books are written in the early 50s. Uh, then there is a couple of uh, uh, sequels that were written in the 80s. And mm-hmm. then in the late 80s, early 2000s, he went back and wrote some prequel information. I haven't seen any of that stuff. Neither have I. So I, I, I'm not sure. And I, I, I guess I'm agnostic to it. Like mm-hmm. to the extent that they can bring some of that stuff and flashbacks and really flesh out the characters. That's what. That's what needs to happen. Like they need um, what I hope they do is I hope they expand the story by by fleshing out these characters, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think the book works very well as an intellectual exercise. But if you give these people stakes that you're actually rooting for them, then you can make that heart mind connection is going to be even better. Um, but like, I don't want them to do like a Peter Jackson's The Hobbit. Where it's like, well, we're going to get into the weeds with the appendixes. We're going to get some of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Professor Tolkien's uh, letters out and some Cimmerillion shit. We're just going to we're going to make this bloated thing. It's going to lose the plot. And I also hope that they don't fundamentally change some of the things about the universe as far as the rules and mechanics. I, I don't want them to just kind of like, you know, treat this like uh, the Watchmen series on HBO where it's like, you know definitely of it but like it's it's pl- doing its own thing i i want yeah. it to strike a balance between that yeah we'll see uh because i know the book like you said is pretty dry it's mostly a series of conversations between people in office offices it's not mm-hmm. uh, and, and you know sometimes they move that office to a spaceship but it's still just a conversation between two still people just, yeah and then they're uh-huh. telling you what they're gonna do and then they're doing what they did and then they're telling you what they did to you it's like yeah, it's a lot of that. So, but you can make that work. Spice it up. That's half of all Star Trek: The Next Generation is sitting in a conference For room, sure. debating your options and talking about which one's the best one. So, like, it can definitely be done. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do expect they're they're going to sex up a lot the fall of the Empire yes. and some of that stuff to give us because there's not really conflict in the Buck Rogers pew pew sense of the word in the original novel that I can remember. It's yeah, more there's of like one or two scenes maybe. Yeah, there's a lot of more of negotiation and bluffing yep. and diplomacy and deception and which I'm also in good, for good stuff. Yeah, you know, like I love that really part of Game of Thrones. So, yeah, bring that right. On. And Game of Thrones started sucking when they went away from it. So <laughs> right. uh, there again, um, I guess that's one of the things uh, we can talk about, like uh, the things I'm worried about. OK, and maybe things that make these worries not as as big a deal um one is the fact that i i this is hard science fiction there's nothing you can do about that and we are about to see what the public's appetite is because instead of having a weird movie coming out every once in a while like annihilation and arrival yeah uh we're about to get just bunches and bunches of high concept hard science fiction fantasy uh and it's going to come really quickly over the next six months or so and we will see how it all goes um but the time jumps yeah uh i that's something that like is just a tough deal because no matter how fully fleshed in fact it can backfire 
if you fully flesh out these characters and people love them, they're fan favorites. Oh, I love the way Harden doesn't take any shit and you know, she's the best uh, mayor of Trantor the world's ever seen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when this, this, the, the show has to leave that behind? How can you make those connections between the generations and keep people invested? Uh, I have a real concern with that. They do it. it yeah, they, they do it through foundation, um, which, you know, the book is aptly named. Uh, it, that, that's the thing. Can they connect us with foundation? Can they connect us through Harry Seldon enough for us to not care when our favorite characters disappear? Because a, we know there will probably be new favorite characters that we'll have and B, the story, the hook for the foundation is so good and so strong. I don't know. It'll be interesting. a couple things. So this is a little spoilery. Um, this is just stuff that people have gleaned from the casting and, you know, knowledge of uh, Asimov's works. But um, so as Lee Pace character, the emperor of the galaxy, uh, mm-hmm. brother day does not exist in the series. This yeah. is a, this is a, a something created uh, for the series for the series mm-hmm. and Asimov never dealt with cloning in his books because cloning was a science okay. that wasn't discovered in his day I was going to ask you if that was in the books or if they're just making this up interesting yeah like it like you know Asimov has was ahead of his time on some things but in the 50s like you know, cloning what the fuck are you talking about um, yeah. so it seems from the trailers that it could be that the emperor is a succession of clones yep which would perhaps give you an antagonist that can span the generations. You know, yeah. you've got Lee Pace in the middle, but you've got this uh, brother Dusk, which is the old man. It's looking at his like embryonic clone. Uh, you've got brother De- uh, Dawn, which might be a younger version of the Lee Pace character. But you're going to have this guy who kind of like gives you one face of the bad guy or the prote- the antagonist for the whole series. Um, and so that's interesting on the and other side about to say on the other it, side. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have the protagonist who is at at some point, uh, you know, Harry Seldon at some point becomes a hologram of himself who delivers messages through these these uh, vaults that open up over mm-hmm. you know eons here. Um, Pre time sequences. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to have some continuity with Jared Harris being able to deliver speeches every once in a while uh, about the future of the foundation. So, yeah, I'm. I'm hopeful oh, that they will the, tie all that together. Have you seen any theories around the Laura Burns character, Ito Demerzel? No. Demerzel? So apparently Ito Demerzel is a alias of a, uh, an Android character oh, that yeah, appears yeah. in some of the prequels of the series. Mm-hmm. And some people are thinking since she's not in the, you know, OG foundation series that this might be another attempt to give the, like if, if the whole series is seen through her, um, point of view that she could be like a C3PO yeah. character that is like that's one constant throughout you know you may you, you might be a, a Clone Wars fan or you might be an original trilogy fan or you might like let Ray and Finn and Poe and all those guys but you always got C3PO there to can't kind of be the the consistent point of view mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a cool idea if you had like one central character who is could be an avatar which I think a, a robot could you know you, you could kind of put your own pov on that i think that's a nice way because that's a character that could be yeah. immortal it could span sure. the entire series i it so. makes me wonder how much they're going to like not retcon uh asma's work but asmov wrote these in a weird order right like in in the yeah. 50s he wrote this original stuff and there was no mm-hmm. robot in the the original foundation uh 
and then you get to the 2000s where like robots are everywhere, right? In fiction. And he's still writing these foundation books. You wonder if Asimov goes, man, I wish I had gone back. I wish I could go back and put robots into my shit. Like, I, I know yeah. he, you know, he's all he about robots, did, right? Yeah. I robot and his right. whole uh, robotics trilogy. More the Asimov's more? laws There's of robotics. Like, I mean, yeah, right. He's, he's the huge, dude. Like that's hugely foundational in in his uh, robotics work and in the fiction as well. Yeah, and that would have given it the continuity that maybe it's it could be lacking. I, I don't know. We'll see if they decide to go that route and just sort of like retcon some robots into the original Foundation novels. Yeah. The other thing that I, this is a very meta uh, thing. Uh, the other thing I hope that gives the audience a chance to kind of roll with the punches on time jumps um, is that for all mankind, which is the other breakout hit on Apple TV plus kind of training wheels for this show that like mm-hmm. it's you've got an audience that you've cultivated in science fiction hungry audience and you've cultivated expectations that there's going to be time jumps and you're going to lose track of characters and you're going to you know uh there's going to be younger characters to take their place and it's all part of a cycle of you know rebirth and all that kind of stuff maybe like if you know it stands a reason if you watch for all mankind you're going to watch foundation at least give it a try so maybe mm-hmm. that that is breaking the ice a little bit for our foundation so it's like people aren't going to have that expectation for a, a continuity of the cast and you know it's it's it, it, like you said it's the the foundation is the character that you have to care about that's yeah. the thing that you have to see that you want to see succeed through its trials and tribulations not any one administrator or technocrat or scientist or researcher that happens to be working at it and that you're getting the point of view of this project at any one time yeah for sure I'll tell you another thing that I'm kind of like, this is something kind of on the I'm nervous and also on the I'm hopeful is uh, David S. Goyer Mm. has written some of the most interesting, entertaining works of Pulp Fiction I've ever seen. And he's also written some of the shittiest ones I've seen (laughs) Uh, on the shitty side. I hate all of the Superman Zack Snyder stuff. And he was all up in Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman. Mm -hmm. Um and I don't like it. Uh, however, he's written some really good pulp sci-fi. I like the Blade trilogy. I know that's Mostly. not great movies, but they're a lot of fun. I like uh, the Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, those are which great he movies. wrote the scripts for all of them. They're really good. They're very pulpy and comic booky, but they take the subject matter seriously. Mm-hmm. And his best writing credit that gets me the most excited for Foundation is Dark City. Have you seen Dark City? Oh, boy. Maybe in the late 90s. This is really hard and weird and dark science fiction that he wrote in the late 90s. One of the earliest things he did. And it's like it it, it really commits to a concept and takes it serious and is interested in the natural conclusions of that that stuff. I so yeah I like I said this guy has done some really schlocky stuff but he's done some really interesting stuff he's uh, interesting schlocky stuff even but he's also done at least sure. one or two things that I think are truly great adaptations of 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 a of a concept or a thing so this is a little bit like ah, I could see this just going completely pulp um but I can also see some some solid bones here too yeah the other uh kind of half of the the co-creator team here was josh friedman who mm-hmm. has worked uh with goyer before um they they wrote terminator dark fate together 
Um, but he's also worked with a lot of big names uh, like Steven Spielberg and Brian De Palma. He wrote uh, War of the Worlds and he wrote Black Dahlia. So like a lot of really solid writing credits um, under his belt. He wrote Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which I actually like that show. I think that show is really good. Um, it was really good for especially if you're t- talking about just grading on like a Fox syndicated series. Yeah, it's curve. network television. Sure, it's but but it was it was pretty good. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. However, he left production in 2019, and and in past he has left productions like uh, Snowpiercer, the TNT television series. He left that production because of creative differences uh, with mm. TNT. So he's known to leave uh productions if he doesn't think it's going in a direction he likes that said he's working on avatar 2 so i wonder if he didn't leave this to go to avatar because Hmm. the way i date are you talking about uh, james cameron's avatar or the new okay okay yeah so so i'm the way that avatar was produced or or written and developed i i hear is that they kind of developed all three movies at the same time i thought Um, so too there's a i wasn't sure if it was three but i knew there was a bulk there's a bunch of avatar movies being written and produced and (laughs) pre-produced and all that stuff. three four seven who knows uh but they they created all those kind of simultaneously so that was probably a really big project to sit down and do all of that um and and that was about the same time i think that he would have been leaving this production so my, my hope is that he didn't leave because of creative differences he left because he had a very big opportunity in Avatar. Plus, this thing's been a long time coming, a lot, and in a large part because of the pandemic shut everything down. Uh, I wonder, sometimes yeah. I've seen, I've seen that help productions, and I've seen that hurt productions, similar to like the writing strike that, that uh, you know, famously birthed a lot of some of the best television, uh, Breaking Bad, but also, you know, there's a lot of shows that were uh, killed and terminated. In fact, the Pushing Daisies, I'm pretty sure, was uh, killed in large hmm. part by the the writer strike. So like, we'll see cuz I can see how that could like, you know, maybe if you were all on board, oh cuz he left in 2019 that's before all that hit. Yeah, I just don't know. Yeah. Like sometimes the you get too many cooks in a cook kitchen, uh something's been in production for 24 months, there's a whole bunch of opportunities for producers and uh studio executives to kind of meddle and fret and worry. Uh yeah, it's tons true. of money being spent on this show. Like this is a very expensive show, and I think from the trailers you can tell that it 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 looks like it is. So yeah, uh, that also ups the temptation to to fuck with the film. Another thing I'm excited, uh, Bear McCreary, uh, Bear McCreary, oh, yeah. Bear McCreary is the uh, the music producer composer for this series. Uh, I've liked his work on Battlestar. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I didn't like Battlestar, uh, his music was fucking <laughs> rad. A great fit. Yeah, uh, I like his music on The Walking Dead. Uh, he's done a bunch of different stuff, and I think I'm very curious to see him take on like what the Bear McCreary take of uh, a space opera is. Yeah, yeah, he's never done anything really on this scale, huh? No, I mean a few, few have. people have. <laughs> right. Like call Johnny Williams and see what he thinks yeah. about making an iconic score for a space opera. <laughs> he does it every other day. That's like it's true. That's just his hobby. That's true. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? Uh, there was a casting note that, well, a, a casting detail that I haven't seen anywhere. And I only saw this dude in one of the teaser trailers, like teaser number two. 
Alexander Sadiq, who plays, uh, you know, Bashir in Deep Space Nine. And, yeah, Dr. Bashir, sure. Uh, Doran Prince in Doran. Game of Thrones. I, he's in this. I swear he's in this. <laughs> he's in this for like half a second in one shot in the second teaser trailer. He's not credited anywhere. So either I don't know my Sadiq or... This is no, not he's him. Def- that's definitely him. And I heard that they, like uh, him and David Escoyer did work on some other television thing a couple of years back. So this okay. might be just because the other thing is I heard this is even Sadiq said I'm just in it for like a, a second. So it oh. could just be like a background role. He could have a line or two. He maybe is important later on. I I, I don't know. It but, looks like uh, maybe a flashback to like uh, Harden's younger days. If I had to oh, guess. Really? Maybe I I don't know. This is all just me guessing. They they put some hair dye in Jerry Harris's. uh... (laughs) No, no, no. It looked like uh, yeah, or maybe I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I'm also excited because like I guess this was originally pitched as a movie trilogy uh, for Apple, the Apple TV platform, and uh, I guess Goyer pushed back on it. And the quote is that he wanted this to be a series. He has planned that eighty hours 80 episodes eight seasons of 10 episodes each so he says uh, you want 12 hours of movie mm, how about 80 hours of television <laughs> how about 80 now the thing is is i actually think the original trilogy would probably be a pretty banger two and a half hour movie trilogy you know oh probably uh, yeah because it's you know again they're not that lengthy you could probably do it but eight mm-hmm. seasons i'm very curious to see how they go with that and how they weave into sequel material or whether they just start yeah you know i think psycho history is a uh it, it could be a, its own cinematic universe like it's a fascinating thing like you could just spin off like what are the consequences like what are the limits of that what breaks it they actually explore that in later yeah. novels like what are things nice. that can be the monkey wrench in the psycho history machine and are there any mechanics if the monkey wrenches start coming are there any like is how how far to the future could could harry selden see uh that's a lot of the the uh, and it, i think there's also it comes down to like sometimes like matters of faith on in things mm-hmm. uh which is interesting space to explore for a, a hard sci-fi series especially I'm for curious. the people I, who are like living the the thing like yeah selden has a lot of mathematical basis for his predictions but the people who are in it at any given time living the psycho history are Mm -hmm. taking a lot of stuff on faith and right that is an interesting element now i will say there are eight books right there are two prequels there are three originals and i do believe sequels yeah Uh, or two there's three three two sequels three prequels and three originals is that how it breaks down yeah. Um, so if you take that and you say, okay, well, there are eight seasons and eight books, they could be doing a book a season, which if you're injecting a lot of characterization into this stuff, then maybe that makes a certain amount of sense, even though they're short books, um, or at least that early one is a short one. Plus, I'm saying, like, I, I guess it's seven. There's two prequels, two sequels, and the three main ones. Oh, I just okay. looked it up. But, but like, uh, yeah, so I can't see it, but I've only read the original uh, trilogy, and, and unless they really expand it, but maybe they can. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, also, I'm curious because I, I wonder how dedicated Apple is to this series. What if they don't get a lot of people watching the first season? Oh, Are I think they- this is entirely possible in the same way that Dune, although I think I think the Warner Brothers has hinted they've already greenlit the sequel. I think it's very possible that you this is a one and done series. 
Um, maybe not because like I think Apple's uh, standard of success would be different from like uh, HBO or Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that they might like, especially if this got a lot of critical buzz. Yeah, they need but if prestige. critics are like, I don't, I don't understand this, and it's weird and mm-hmm. boring, and the it doesn't get a lot of eyeballs. I don't know because it is a very expensive show, and Apple right. TV's got a couple expensive shows, and some of them are doing quite well for themselves. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what Apple will feel like for its sunk cost fallacy on this. I, I, but, I hope uh, they either cut it after season one and it doesn't prove itself, or they see it all the way through to eight because you don't want to dedicate yeah, a lot of time halfway right? through this this sprawling thing and it just just ends up. Yeah, it'd be right. pretty be pretty brutal. But uh, I've been there before. <coughs> Game of Thrones uh, novel <laughs> sequence. I, I I don't know. I. Because that's the thing. It's like we're also taking a big risk on this. We don't usually mm-hmm. do first run shows, um, you know, that we're kind of unsure about. that's unproven. But like we're both really big believers of the cast or both believers of the in the concept. Um, and just, you know, the trailers are just really exciting. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, like, I'm kind of at a toss up about whether this is prestige or pulp. And that's going to be, I think, harder and harder in the years to come, because if we were back in the late 60s and we had bald move and we were uh, 2001 comes out and it's got spaceships and space travel and space hotels and things like that but is it really pulp it's very different from buck rogers and star wars and even star trek right yeah and people who are maybe just uh, finding us for the first time on this foundation stuff we we tend to categorize all our podcasts into either prestige or pulp and release them into one of those two feeds um yeah in addition to the individual show feeds so yeah, that's that's going to be a concern going forward. What do we do with this sci-fi that has like very high um, production values, but also like is more political intrigue or mm-hmm. something like 2001? Like you said, where do these things land if they're laser guns, but also very um, important messages and things like that? Who knows? Right. Yeah, there's a lot of sometimes you know, intersectional things when you're talking about like genres and things like that. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's a big risk for us because I don't know. Like, the, I, honestly, the thing I'm most worried about is that this is either confusing or boring. Mm-hmm. If it moves fast, it probably won't be boring, but it might be confusing. And if it moves too slow and they don't do enough to really make us care about the characters that are doing the stuff. Yeah, um, it could be perceived as 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 dull. And if that's the case, man, what you can't do is expend, spend, you know, a hundred million dollars on a couple episodes of slick, high concept science fiction that leaves everybody bored mm-hmm. and not wanting to engage. So that's the big risk I see for the show. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We're not going to have to wait very long. It's, it's coming out. Uh, yeah. It should premiere this week by the time you're hearing this podcast. Um, One more within the week. Big question I have for you uh, in regards to our coverage of it is. I don't know that I plan to stay on top of the books or stay ahead of the show in the books. Um, Cause a, I don't know how far into the future the, the show is going to go in its first season. So, so mm. I have no plans to like read the books in advance of seeing the show. Do you? Um, I don't think I'm going to reread the Cause since you did reread it and you can handle that part of it and I've read it enough to where if you refer to something as a different, I can probably play along with it. But if this is a great first season, I can see myself easily rereading the first one. And yeah, so I, I might be that guy. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll play see, it by like, ear. If this feels like it's a, one, a third 
book, a third prequels and a third like original material, I don't think I'm going to commit to reading the entire Foundation series gotcha. with the two prequels and the two sequels before season two rolls around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we'll see. Because if it's like that, like, a, you know, 30, 30, 30, 10 mix of original content and stuff and then, you know, just whatever. I, I don't know, because like it might be nice to just experience that for the first, you know, like uh without any kind of preconceived notion. So yeah, so I guess uh, what to expect as far as our coverage goes is we will be talking about the show week to week uh, and we might sprinkle in the book knowledge that we have at any given time, but I, I will have to see on anything else. Yeah, and I think that uh, definitely we do it the way we did like Game of Thrones where, you know, we wouldn't be like, hey, next week it looks like it didn't just outlining the whole no. plot of the thing. It would just be kind of like differences that are interesting yeah. that we noticed um, or implications for the future. It, it's it's we, we try to do it in a way that doesn't uh, ruin people's. I mean, like I said, we've got a reputation for covering stuff like this in a way that doesn't. You know, we are not the book readers that are just like, yeah, it didn't conform. And uh, let me tell you no. about everything that's going to happen. And oh, just wait until the next person's death. It's so impactful. We don't As we, a matter we fact, like I, for our people to enjoy the show, whether you've read the yes. book or not. So and I want this show to become its own thing. I, I don't need this show to be the books. Right. Because the books right. exist. So I don't know. I just like also wouldn't put it beyond uh, the pale to think there might be a couple bonus like spoiler episodes where if like there's something Maybe. particularly juicy that Jim and I are just like really itching to talk about. And we're getting a lot of feedback from book people, too. Like maybe we do a little special one off that's just for the book people. Who knows? But it could be another one that could be that the books are just like the bare scaffolding that they're hanging a whole new edifice on. And right. that stuff won't be as important. So. You know, that's the thing is I don't want to do that in advance before I know what we're dealing with, because like Mm -hmm. that's the way you can get a lot of people disappointed, even with a show that's really, really good. So, uh, again, foundation of baldmove.com is how you're going to want to send in feedback uh, on the show. If you got some thoughts on how the episodes are going, uh, any differences between the books and the show you're seeing, uh, any expectations or fears and just breaking down the week's action. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching this. It's something that we haven't really, it's something like this is something we haven't really seen on the bald move network before. And I'm curious to see what our audience makes of and what we make of it. Again, we don't have long to wait. It's just September 24th, just a few days. We're going to have three all new episodes. We'll probably have a lot better idea where this is going after that. And we'll have full coverage out Monday, the 27th, uh, tune in for that. Subscribe. If you're on the new podcast, so you don't miss an episode. And uh, we will see you when the foundation begins. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.